Play ya. It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my ball. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Edward tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. You know Steelers Nation wants Hines as wide receivers coach, Shazier to replace Porter, and Batch to replace Feetner. The Shazier thing would never work. He played inside linebacker. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Who do you want to see back? I want Martavis, and I want Lev Bell. A lot of y'all on Twitter have said, we don't need those loudmouths. I think you do. I want them back. I also wanted Haley gone. It happened. I want Porter and Mitchell gone. And William Gay, well, I think we all know he's probably going to be gone. Thomas in L.A., next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, Thomas? How you doing? I'm all right, man. How uh, about you? I, <laughs> I have a question. Uh, how well do you guys really know Butler? Are, are you big friends? Because everybody's afraid to say that he has to go. I mean, from game one, you heard a player say, there was some miscommunication on the field. To game 17, miscommunication on the field. Some of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year, Brissett, Huntley, uh, Bortles twice, the quarterback for Cleveland, best games were against the Steelers. That's a reflection on the defensive coordinator. Thomas, he here's, here's, here's the issue, man, and this one's personal for me. Keith Butler and I, we're related via marriage. Okay. Yeah, so he's like my boy. Okay. So I'm not going to criticize him. What's funny? What's funny? I mean, it's just it's just reality. I'm not going to criticize family. What are you laughing about, Thomas? Get out of here! But, but if, if you want the Steelers to bring home number seven, okay, if that's their ultimate goal, you have to start looking at the coaches. Like, even the last play, when the Jacksonville scored at 35th point, it was a third and ten. Yes. Marquise Lee, I'm from Los Angeles, so I've seen Lee play. I can still beat Lee in a 40-yard dash. Okay. You couldn't. See ya. How dare you insult my dad that way, Keith Butler. Here's the deal. Just because I think Todd Haley needed to go doesn't mean that I think that Keith Butler did a good job. Because I don't. But he's done good things, and I think he deserves to be given another opportunity. He's been the defensive coordinator for a couple of years, and the Steelers this year were seventh in the National Football League in points against. They did give up a lot of big plays, but so did Jacksonville. Jacksonville gave up one 40 or yard, 40 or more yard play than the Steelers did this year. That was tough to say. They gave up more big plays than Pittsburgh. Now, they did a lot of things better than the Steelers did, but Pittsburgh led the National Football League in sacks. Pittsburgh was seventh in the league in points allowed. They were good against the run for the most part. Now, they did have some lapses there after Ryan Shazier got hurt. There was more good than bad this year leading up to the divisional round game. But then both sides of the ball the poop down the leg. So, you're not going to change everything. You're not going to get rid of the offensive and defensive coordinator. It's just not realistic. So, you get rid of the guy that the quarterback doesn't get along with. Hello? It's not that hard to understand. You can't just look at what happened on the defensive side and say he's got to go. You have to look globally at what's going on with Pittsburgh overall. You're only getting rid of one coordinator. 
Everyone covering the Patriots right now is questioning what they're going to do next year because they're about to lose their offensive, defensive, and special teams coordinator. We're talking about Bill Belichick, and the people covering that team are concerned what they're going to do. So if you're not winning a championship every damn year, when you lose a coordinator, it makes a difference. When you lose two, that's too much rebuilding whenever you've only got a couple more years to win with Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not going to say I hope that answers your question, because I know it did. I'm great at radio. Let's go to Chris in Harrisburg next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? How much? Love the show, man. Hey, I just wanted you to know, I think that uh, I would like Mike Munchak to stake around for a little bit. I know he's been uh, the target of a couple uh, couple interviews, but it'd be nice if he stuck, stuck around. I feel like that the, uh, the line has performed very well since he took over. Oh, there's no doubt, dude, and I appreciate it. I also love how you, while being from Harrisburg, are so Pittsburgh that you say interviews, interviews. Love it! Yeah, Mike Munchak, you'd hope, would stick around, especially because they're losing Richard Mann. Richard Mann, 33 years as wide receivers coach, really damn good. I think most in the National Football League would agree that Mike Munchak's probably the best offensive line coach. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a former head coach. You want that guy to be around. Do I want him being my offensive coordinator? No, because at least I know Randy Feetner or Finkter or Sphincter, whatever you want to call him, I know that guy calls plays. He can call plays. He did at Memphis. He's watched Todd. He'll be okay. If he's the OC and Mike Munchak remains as the offensive line coach, I think you're in a good spot. Let's go to Devin in Pittsburgh. Hello. The dude, the dude before the dude, you just talked to stole my thunder, but since you said he's family, I guess I really don't know what to say to that, man. Yeah, Keith, um, but Keith Butler. Keith he, Butler is my uh, he's my uncle. He he, uh, brother. He he has to go. He's not really my uncle, Devin. And I uh, thank God. I was like, I know he has more integrity than that. Yeah, dude. For the first time ever, you made me doubt you, man. I know, man. I gave you that pause. I think I probably made fifteen other people not call in because they're like, oh man, we can't be trashing his family on the air. <laughs> Bro, here's the thing, and I've been saying it for a couple of days, Devin. If you think Butler needs to go, I don't really have a great retort because of the way that the defense just played in the playoffs. They gave up, what, 45 points? Or I suppose 38 points, and they gave up 36 last year I against mean, New England. Thing, brother, I would have rather saw Haley stay. At least we scored 42 points, but we gave up 45 well, we gave up 38. I know. But I still. keep doing that same thing. Here's here's the deal, Devin. They're only going to get rid of one coordinator, and if the quarterback wants the offensive coordinator gone, that's the guy you get rid of. If you get rid of both, then you're restarting almost with a quarterback who's only got a couple of years left, and I don't think you can do that. Uh, if you're no, just looking at the merits of the defensive performance over the last handful of games, I can agree with you, but I don't think you can look at it in a vacuum. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. I'm making great points today on the Crowley Show. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The Pirates had deals in place for Andrew McCutcheon to be shipped out. If you go all the way back to the winter meeting, we've heard rumors. We've heard rumors about Cole. We heard that things almost got done with both players. The reason that they waited this long. Season tickets, baby. Andrew McCutcheon has a bobblehead night coming up this year. They wanted to sell tickets. They knew that Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole are the two faces of the franchise. Garrett Cole, the face of the pitching staff, and Andrew McCutcheon, the face of 
really the entire franchise. See ya. They're both gone. But prior to them leaving, people would still buy tickets, thinking maybe, maybe they can turn it around. Maybe if Tyone plays better and Marte and Polanco live up to the expectation and Josh Bell does what he did last year and Ivan Nova pitches like he did in the first half and not the second half, you can talk yourself into a lot of BS. But those are the things that fans do. Fans convince themselves of the improbable, if not the impossible. But with McCutcheon, with Garrett Cole, you believed that there was a shot and you'd buy some tickets. But now we're less than a month away, right, from spring training? About a month away from spring training? All the season tickets are being gobbled up? Then you trade the two franchise players. Then you make the move. And I get it from a business standpoint. I do. But it's just another example of Bob Nutting being a crook jackass. And that's exactly why it went down this way. They can tell you that it was all about baseball. They can tell you it was all about finding the right deal. And I'm inclined to believe the second part a little bit. But a lot of this had to do with the timing. And a lot of this had to do with, oh, guess what? The Steelers just lost a playoff game? Oh, guess what? The Steelers are about to play a playoff game? They sandwiched that playoff game with trades. And then it just so happens to allow this team to still sell the season tickets all off season long. Let's say you know that. 4129222874. Here's another thing that pissed me off this morning when I was driving to shovel snow at my parents' house. I flip through radio stations all the time. That's what you do when you're in radio. What's this jackass saying? What's this turd face saying? What's Randy Bauman saying? And on that flagship station across the street their morning show host Colin Dunlap who I like a lot was bending over backwards to say he was still going to go to Pirate Games and then Jeff Hathorne who I really like was saying the same thing and you had Josh Miller I mean he was basically bending over and letting the Pirates give it to him is that too descriptive? No, that's, okay. that sounds about exactly what happened. And the premise of the conversation was, well, I can still take my family to a baseball game and it not be a ringing endorsement of ownership. I can take my family to a baseball game because I love baseball. I love beer. And I love food. I love all the things that PNC Park can afford me. And I just got to say, if you have that mindset, you are naive. Look, I understand you wanting to take your kid to a baseball game. You wanting your children to fall in love with baseball. I understand a foot-long hot dog with an ice-cold beer sounds really good. I get all that. But don't be naive enough to think that you putting money into that product isn't supportive of the owner. Because it is. It just is. We've had this argument about a number of different subjects. But Sidney Crosby got excoriated for not coming out and saying anything about going to the White House. So by not doing that, a lot of people said Sidney Crosby took a stand on the side of Donald Trump. I don't know so much if I agree with that, but people perceive it that way. If you go and you buy hot dogs this year, and you buy tickets, and you buy jerseys, and you buy beer, you're doing so knowing where that money winds up. Not back in the damn baseball team. Oh, hell no, sister. Mm-hmm.
No. That money goes back into the pocket of a jackass liar. A greedy bastard. So take your family if you want. I will not be going to pirate games this year. And I'm not going to tell you not to. But if you do, know what it says. Know what it stands for. And you're naive to think otherwise. 412-922-2874. I like to think of this situation as a bad marriage. You know, and you've got, uh, let's just go for the example. You, you're, you're dating a, I'll go from the female perspective. So say you're dating a guy who's drunk and angry all the time, never follows through with promises. What did Leanna say to you? She didn't say anything. Okay. She, te- she texted it. But you you deal with this over and over as the female in that relationship. The guy says, hey, oh, okay, I'm going to get better. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get as angry. I'm going to stop drinking. Okay, so five years into the relationship, you hear the same example or the same excuses over and over and over again. And that's right now is where Pirates fans are. You've got to take you got to hold these guys accountable for what they're doing to you. They've been lying to you year after year after year, trying to keep you to hang on for one more year. Hang on for one more ticket. Hang on for one more jersey. Hang on for one more hat. Maybe one more game on TV you're going to watch. But year after year, you get squat, and you get an owner who's just lining his pockets and basically trading your memories away without any care. I, I don't see how you can reconcile yourself with that as a fan. How can you sit there and promote a product and help a product by putting your hard-earned dollars into it when they're going to keep doing this same, this pattern of lying and over and over, non-competing? It's going to happen over and over again. Oh, it's absolutely going to happen over and over again. And I think that the trades that they've made, the players that they brought in, the four guys who are already going to play in the major leagues starting this year, the only reason they make those deals instead of getting prospects, which would have been the preferred route by me, get guys with high ceiling who could eventually be stars. The reason that they went with that route, Brian, is to make sure that in August, they're sitting three, four, five games out. They're just close enough to that second wild card spot that you're going to keep buying tickets. And guys, go again if you want, but I'm going to think you're an idiot if you do. And... I'll understand wanting to take your family. I really do. And I'll understand trying to make memories at PNC Park because it's gorgeous and baseball's fun and beer and hot dogs are tremendous. But you can't be naive about it. You have to realize that this means that you are complicit in with what they're doing. You can't be one of the people who's vocally against it and also going to these games. I don't see how that can be possible. I don't see how Colin Dunlop, again, a guy that I like, can say... I hate what the Pirates are doing. They've been lying to us. They're continuing to lie to us. And then in good conscience say, I'm going to take my family to PNC Park a bunch of times this year. It's doing exactly what Bob Nutting wants. Bob Nutting wants us to react. the Well, he probably doesn't want us to react the way that we are. But he understands that we react the way that we're reacting. And then he's going to prey on the fact that people like baseball even if it's bad baseball. He's going to prey on the fact that people like beer, even if it's watered-down Pilsner, and it's 12 bucks. He's going to prey on the fact that people want to go there and pay attention or not, but crack Cracker Jacks and break peanuts and get the little prize at the bottom of the box. He's preying on the fact that for our entire lives, we've loved a game. And he's saying, who cares if you love the Pirates? Love everything else. Love everything that we can give you on that Sunday in the summer. 
And if you go, you're complicit. There's one clear winner at the end of all of this, the way the Pirates are right now, and that is Bob Nutting. He's the winner because that dude will make money. His pockets will get deeper. He will have the cash. What you don't get as a fan is a championship that you're promised. You don't get to live out the hope that you've been promised. The The investment in the team that you put in, it's just going out and nothing's coming back to you as a fan. And that's awful. I mean, that's look, as a fan of a team, of any team, it comes with heartstrings. You put your soul into the teams that you love. You really do. They lose, you get upset. They win, you get happy. And to have them play with your emotions like that, it really is. Okay, let me. I don't want to get too hyper hyperbolic about this, but it is. It's a it's a crime against sports fans. Is what it is. Is what he's doing. Not illegal in a court of law, but we should be able to like burn him in effigy outside the stadium and be like, this guy's screwing us over, he's going to continue to do it, and we're not going to take this crap anymore. Five years from now, when PNC Park's starting to crumble a little bit, uh-huh. that bastard's going to come to all of us and ask us to pay with our tax money. And you know what? You better hold him accountable before then, and at that point, you better freaking vote no. Braden tweets, at Brian, which is F-Bomber73, your analogy sounds a lot like the Adam Crowley show. Make promises you don't follow through and nobody keeps them accountable. Hashtag year of excellence. We are 10 days away from me getting my belly button pierced. And spoiler alert, it's happening. And I'm holding Crowley accountable. He's got blogs out there now. He's showing up. He's getting belly buttons pierced. He's getting hair waxed. No, Kelly Clarkson! He's accountable. I'm getting better. The Penguins, by the way, never let you down. And they're playing tonight. Thank God. Something to help us take our eye off the Pirates and Steelers balls. I didn't phrase that right. Or maybe I did. Jason Mackey discusses next. It's the Crowley Show. See ya. Playing too much hockey. Otherwise, it wouldn't click in at you know, game number 47 or whatever we're at. But I, I think it should be encouraging. The Penguins are playing the way they are right now. It's what we're all used to seeing. How's the coach feel about the way the Penguins are playing now? Is, is Mike Sullivan, are you sensing... Uh, starting to feel like this team's getting some traction. You already mentioned what Sidney Crosby had to say. Yeah, it's funny you mention that, Adam. I do think Sullivan has been encouraged by this. Um, and I think, you know, more than he'll ever admit, I think he was just kind of, it was wearing on him a little bit how poorly this team was playing and how inconsistent this team was playing early on. It's not Sullivan's style to admit it. And he's never going to go to the podium and, and blast a player or players or or really publicly gripe about anything. But this year hasn't been easy on them. Um, and it's not because, like, we're, you know, it's not because these guys are tired or, or he has to watch that. It's just they've been inconsistent and they haven't executed as well as they, Sullivan knows that they can and as well as they have. And I think that was kind of wearing on Sullivan, just trying to get these guys into gear and get them to execute better and, and, you know this, everybody knows this, if you try to do something and you try 92 ways and it doesn't work out, like sooner or later you just kind of get annoyed. And I think that was happening a little bit with Sullivan. I think it was happening a little bit with the players. But the fact that this thing has turned and they finally strung some games together, gotten some traction, like all these terms that kept getting thrown around, but now they're actually doing it, I think they're starting to build some confidence. You mentioned trying to do a bunch of different things, 90-some different things, and it not working out for stretches of the season. I think line combinations, I mean, that certainly fits that mold there. Uh, it seems like they've kind of found uh, a, a little bit of continuity now. 
Uh, and I would imagine that they're going to continue to roll these lines the way that they have, you know, barring any unforeseen injuries or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about hockey, so they're not going to do anything until they lose because why would you ever change something if ever. you're winning? <laughs> but no, I, I, really, the only tweak I see here is that whenever Carter Rowney comes back or whenever they feel like, you know, if anything happens with Dominic Simone where they don't want him on City Crosby's wing, uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is I do think Jake Gensel is going to go back up there at some point. I don't see Gensel being a permanent third-line center for this team. And then if you add somebody else into the mix, you know, in, in that third-line center spot, that's going to be your change. But other than that, boy, I think they've, they've found a few nice things here. Uh, Daniel Sprong, I thought, has, has looked excellent with oh, Sid, very comfortable. I think Sid likes it. Um, and then if you look at Hagelin and Hornquist with Malkin, there's a nice dynamic to that line right now. And if you can get somebody to come in here and play with Kessel, leave your fourth line the way it is, they don't have a lot of reason to tinker. And I do think that has been one of the things that has kind of held them back, has just been all of the changing and Sullivan getting impatient and trying this and that. So, so something sticking is definitely a good thing. What's the latest on Brian Rust? Uh, Rust is not on the trip. He is skating. Um, I don't believe he's handling the puck with two hands, which obviously is going to prevent him. I don't know if it's the left arm or the right arm, but one of his arms. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's not doing that, uh, he's a ways still. You know, if he even returned in February at this point, I think I'd be a little bit surprised. Uh, okay. but that being said, Adam, he's not out for the season. It's not like he's going to miss the playoffs. It's just, you know, a little bit more time with him. Unfortunately, the Penguins announced today that Matt Murray's dealing with the passing of his father, and uh, obviously thoughts go out to him because that's just an awful situation. Uh, I would imagine the Penguins give him all the time that he needs. Yes, I mean, you can't exactly say he'll be back in a week, he'll be back in two. I mean, you kind of just got to let that guy go. I mean, that's the most important thing. Yep, you have to let it go, and you, you, I, I, you know, I hope we don't even ask Sullivan about it. I mean, no. I'm sure he'll say whatever it is, you know, Matt Matt will tell us when he wants to come back, and that's the way it should be. You know, and I guess the comforting thing here is Tristan Jari has played really well. But, you know, I know I, I've had a, a few interactions more than the average reporter with Matt Murray, and, you know, to not get into too much detail, but I know when I went up there this summer, um, you know, I wanted to talk to Matt's parents, and, and he wanted to keep that out of it. Now, Matt gave a ton of himself in that story, as you read, and he was tremendous, and I think he's an amazing kid. Uh, but I, I respect him for wanting to keep his parents out of that, and, and they try to. he tries a lot to keep his family his family, and they're very, very, very close and keep them out of the spotlight. And I know, you know, just from talking to Matt, how close he is to his parents, how much he looked up to his dad, how much he looked up to both of them. And, uh, I mean, your heart just hurts for something like that and you know i've i've said this before and i'll say it again um out of all the people i've met doing this job i mean matt murray is one of the most sincere caring well-spoken uh wonderful humans you know my kid had a birthday in december and uh murray's asking about it you know what what we're doing for a party uh talking about like teenage mutant ninja turtles and you know stuff like that and, and old cartoons and he's t- telling them to you know wish him a happy birthday for me like those aren't normal interactions it just shows you kind of the caring soul that matt is and, and this sucks for him right now and we'll be praying for his comfort and his family and and there's just there's no no positive word to say about it Jason, I don't know how I would have reacted at his age 
if I had the success that I did. I don't know what that would have turned me into as a person, uh, yet he's won two Stanley Cups in the two seasons he's been around, and yet he still stayed grounded. Marc-Andre Fleury was much the same way, but the, the Penguins, it sounds like, uh, according to you and, and many others, um, but again, you did have you do have a re- different relationship with Matt Murray uh, to some extent. Um, they've they've kind of given one All Pro All Star person up and and got another in return. Certainly, yeah, and it's cool to see people appreciate that more um, as as Matt. You know, and this was even something we learned about in the summer. Like, you know, he can come across as kind of like either soft-spoken or not mean, I wouldn't say that, but like, you know, when he's just saying stop the next shot and he's like, you know, in this zone or whatever, people like look around like, what's what's wrong with this guy? You know, but like, there's just so much more going on upstairs and he's so smart and articulate and caring. Um, he just does it in a different way than Flurry, and I give him a lot of credit. You know, it couldn't have been easy to be in the position that he was in, knowing what he did to Flurry. He was completely aware of it, and if he would go around acting like Mark Andre Flurry, come off as phony. You know, he knows that, and he acts like himself. And I think you have to admire that that much more. Uh, you know, nobody his age deserves to, to lose a parent. Nobody anywhere deserves to lose a parent, especially not you know, as I understand it, the way it happened, which is pretty quick. Uh, you know, you can't even, I guess, I guess there's one thing with, you know, if you're, your mom or dad, they're, they're old, they've lived a good life and, you know, kind of winds down. I guess there's some peace with that. But to just suddenly have that taken from you, you know, I don't care who you are. That's just not fair. And, you know, I, I have no, I have no issue, zero confidence or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? I have the utmost confidence that Matt will put this behind him and get back on the ice and play really well. But, you know, for anybody. Not easy. Yeah, you're right, and it's not. And it's at this point, it's not even about hockey. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just it's it's about him taking care of his life. And uh, on the hockey side, Tristan Jari, get after it, and he'll be the guy going tonight. And uh, we'll see if the Penguins can take this success that they've had recently out on the West. Man, I mean that's not easy, and I think it's a good time for this test. They finally kind of righted the ship, and we'll see if they're able to you know keep it going. Yeah, and this trip, there's a different dynamic to this trip. You know, this is different than going to Jersey or something like that. Like, you're going out west, usually staying, you know, in Manhattan Beach or, like, somewhere really cool. You go out to a couple of nice team dinners, some activities and whatever. And the way they're playing, uh, they have a lot to celebrate, and they can definitely build on that. Appreciate the time, buddy, as always. Have fun out there. All right, dude. Take care. There he goes, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Penguins tonight, Anaheim. Big test. I'm looking forward to watching it. This is, the, this is the game this year that I'm most looking forward to watching from a Penguins perspective. Uh, opening night, yeah, you want to see the back-to-back Cup champs back in action again, but I think as a sports town, Pittsburgh needs the Penguins to come through for them right now, maybe more than ever. Up next, Tama needs to admit that he's made some mistakes, and he's not doing that. Plus, Really? No changes being made to the defensive staff? Pisses me off. It's the Crowley Show. Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. He'll be a guest on the show tomorrow. He says on Twitter.com, the Steelers are prepared to name Randy Feekner to replace Todd Haley as offensive coordinator. Pending final approval of his contract, this is her a team source. So, when I wrote this blog, 
on Monday saying that I wanted to see Haley out and Finkter in. Finkter. Finkter. I got what I wanted. Uh, it's something that happens quite frequently around here. When the major media market star says jump, they say how high. Okay, that's never, ever the way that it goes down. In fact, I'd like to get Monday off next week. Can I make that happen, Brad? Probably not. Too short notice? Yeah, something all businessy like that. Yeah. 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 Too yeah. short a notice. Yeah, man. You got to give me at least a week notice here. Damn it. Like, you got to put in for the time. You got to get approved. You got to stamp it out. Got to send it down to the corporate. Got to get them to approve it. Got to bring it back around. This is, an, this is not an easy ship to turn. Son of a bitch. Looks like I'll be working on Monday. Yep. So, Jerry Dulac reports that coming in as the Steelers' offensive coordinator, I suppose, being promoted is Randy Feekner. Good move for the Steelers. There are a couple of moves that they're not going to make that need to be made, and that's where I get a little angered. Mike Tomlin, according to reports, has told the defensive coaches on the staff that they are safe. Am I missing something here? Didn't they give up 30 points plus to Green Bay, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Jacksonville? You're not going to fire the defensive coordinator. I've already got into that because you're not going to have both coordinators out. It just doesn't make any sense. You're not going to start from scratch. So you're not going to have two new coordinators. But I thought that there would be some defensive changes. Maybe Carnell Lake gets shown the door. Maybe Joey Porter gets shown the door. They need to make some changes. Because Bud Dupree's not getting any better. And those players in the secondary that came in were really good last year, Artie Burns and Sean Davis, I thought took a step back this year. A lot of that has to do with the individual coaching positions. The outside linebackers haven't been great. Joey Porter deserves some scolding for that, at the very least. But beyond that, when it comes to Porter, I mean, the guy got drunk and then got into it with a police officer outside the flats. He threatened to kill a guy. Brick killed a guy with a trident. He went to high school football games and caused a ruckus. When you got that on top of not great job performance, I say it's time to go. Todd Haley might not have gone had Todd Haley not have had other things in his past that have affected him negatively or that have negatively affected the team. Had Todd Haley not gotten drunk allegedly, at Tequila Cowboy, and gotten into a fight, allegedly, he might still be here. But when you got that mixed in with a job performance and a bad relationship with a quarterback, well, you can't be saved. The Steelers' defensive coaches need to be looked at. For them all to be safe, that's surprising at the very least to me. 412-922-2874. I threw a football over Brian's head. That kind of goes with something I was chewing on yesterday after Mike Tomlin's press conference. Mike Tomlin doesn't admit when he's wrong. Whatever happened in the circumstance, whatever happened in the moment, that was the right decision, according to Mike Tomlin, and even if it didn't work out. Mike Tomlin's not a process-driven guy. And that's where the clock management stuff comes in all the time. But Mike Tomlin, 
yesterday in his press conference, didn't take accountability for anything that happened this season when it comes to some of the distractions. Uh, in fact, I've got a couple of Mike Tomlin clips from yesterday's press conference, and it bothers me when you don't get forthright answers, and it bothers me when you don't get any admission of guilt on the part of Mike Tomlin, any admission of wrongdoing. First, here's Mike talking about the quarterback sneak situation. Speaking of Ben, Mike, uh, he had said that he has in the past lobbied for the QB sneak to be part of your offense, up to and including even asking you to go for QB draws from the two-yard line. Um, is that, in fact, the case? And Would you consider yeah. making a QB sneak more a part of the offense? Yeah, I, you know, that's one of the best things about that guy. His will is continually on display, particularly at those critical moments, man. He wants to be the guy. Then why is he not the guy? Why not admit that you don't have it in the playbook? Why not admit that that's the wrong thing to do in those circumstances? It gets even worse. When you think about what Mike Tomlin said about social media, and instead of blaming his players for the distraction, he blamed the times that we're in right now. Mike, would you like the players to be less active on social media or talking before games, or how do you deal with that? I got, I got teenage kids that are 16 and 17, so I understand that that's part of this world. It's not the world that I grew up in. I'm 45. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning to understand it. His kids aren't professionals. His kids are kids. They're not adults. Every player for the Pittsburgh Steelers is an adult. Even Juju Smith-Schuster, the youngest player in the league. Stuff goes out on social media. But criticism of teammates should not. He also blamed the media for blowing some of these things out of proportion. And I do understand that on the outside, it means more to the media than it probably does on the inside. But at the same time, I didn't go onto the field and throw a Gatorade cooler. I didn't go onto the field and push Alejandro Villanueva out in front of the American flag. I didn't go on Instagram and excoriate Juju Smith-Schuster. None of these things were media creations. They were spawned within the locker room, and they took off when they hit the media. But these things happened because of the team itself. In saying that social media is just going to happen because his kids allow it to happen, uh, that doesn't cut it for me, Coach. He also responded to his comments about Tony Dungy. You say the perception, fair or not, that your words to Tony Dungy is a precedent for looking ahead to opponents this year? Uh, I can't worry about those things, guys. Um... Just take responsibility for something, man. There have been times when Mike Tomlin has said in the past that he didn't coach well enough. But at yesterday's press conference, I got a lot of, well, it wasn't us, it was media. It wasn't us, it was social media. When talking about the onside kick, even, Mike Tomlin did not take real responsibility. He stuck with what he said immediately after the game, which was that he didn't trust the defense. And I understand not trusting the defense, but he basically said F analytics. And, man, I'm not the biggest analytics guy when it comes to football because I think that there's still so much there that needs to be learned. But you can't 
say that because analytics can be used to help you. And percentages should be considered when you make decisions. The chance of you getting an onside kick are very low. The chances of them kicking a field goal if you don't get it, very high. Kick it deep. Admit that you should have kicked it deep because you should have. Mike Tomlin's press conference yesterday, as much as I do like Mike Tomlin, I think he's a good coach, it was a lot of nothing for 24 minutes. Pierce and Wheeling next up on the Crowley Show. Hello. Hey, what's up, pool man? What's up, Pierce? Nothing. I just wanted to jump back on the Pirates really quick. and. Well, you're not producing a show. What if I don't want to talk about the Pirates right now? Uh... <laughs> I wouldn't blame you, to be quite honest. I'm sick of them. You're sick of them too, right? Bastards. Absolutely. I, I think one of the main differences between Bob Nutting and, you know, obviously the recent trade and everything like that, and obviously throughout the late 90s, early 2000s, the Pirates were horrible. But, I mean, I watched every single game. You know, my, my favorite player still to this day is Kevin Young, just because I enjoy his attitude. I enjoy the way he approaches the game. But... I think you watched those teams in the late 90s, early 2000s, and you kind of knew, it was always kind of in the back of your mind, that they weren't really trying to win. Like, they weren't really trying to build a World Series team, whereas if you look at the last half a decade, that looks like it's exactly what they were trying to do and trying to build to. And now it feels like it's all been taken away from us, and we're, and we're right back to where we were potentially in the early 2000s. Pierce, the comments that Neil Huntington made two days ago lead me to believe that they stubbed their toe on that 2013 season. The way that they talked about this year was that they think that it could be a surprising year a lot like it was in 2013. Yet after 2013, all you heard was what a genius Neil Huntington was for putting that team together. So while I do think that they got bleep together for three years because they did because they were one of the best teams in baseball for three years they also haven't done anything since then they didn't do anything prior to that and they didn't try to add to the 98 win team in fact they subtracted from it so it's just more of the same man it really is this franchise doesn't care about you this franchise doesn't care about success this franchise cares about making money and any success they have along the way is accident or luck and i suppose those kind of mean the same thing uh luck is you're trying to build a winner and you kind of fall into it an accident is 2013 oh my god how did this happen and that's kind of what i thought did happen if you go all the way back then so i don't want to give them too much credit 412-922-2874 My next guest, Rob Rossi, joins in five minutes. He wrote a column in the Trib saying fans need to keep the owner accountable. And he told me via DM that I was his inspiration. We discuss with Rossi next Crowley Show.